Yes, hello folks, welcome to a special episode of Beyond the Pitch, I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, today to be joined here with my now regular, fantastic co-host, Calm, who's had a few weeks off, Calm, how you doing, Ed? I'm doing well, Phil, uh, delighted to be back recording the show, I have missed it, but I've enjoyed the, the, the shows, um, listening to the shows while I've been off, going back to being a listener, but great to be back with you, and I think something might be happening this weekend that United fans, and maybe football fans, unless you're of a Liverpool mm-hmm. persuasion or Man City, mm-hmm. might just be a wee bit excited about. Well, we'll get into that, and certainly how it's triggered <laughs> the vast majority of the English media that tonight turned Cristiano Ronaldo into something that no one other else, no one else has ever been asked. You know, Alison Rudd wrote an article, so forgive me for, I just want to, want to, want to talk about this really quick. <clears throat> and far be it for me to suggest that uh, Alison has any particular bias, given the fact that she's born and raised in Liverpool. Um, but just to quote her article, the headline in her article saying, uh, Ronaldo is a very selfish man. He worked hard mostly for himself, not to make others better. And I know a lot of clip stories or clickbait headlines, but I don't remember. Frank Lampard experiencing that type of coverage when he went to Chelsea. When all of a sudden, there was no longer about leading by example. It was about his particular pedagogy. And you're going, Cristiano Ronaldo's responsible now for, for what? Is he, is he, is he, is he going to be a poacher and a ball hog, as they call it out here, and score too many tap-ins so everyone has to get a trophy? Or it's not fair. I'm trying to wonder who was to Cristiano Ronaldo under his wing when he came to Manchester United and said, here, you learn from me. When Roy Keane blasted the ball at Dwight York the first day of training and said, here, at Manchester United, we, we, we control that. It wasn't very nice. You know, now Roy Keane is someone that who loves Ronaldo and vice versa. And if you talk to coaches at Manchester United, they will tell you, Calm, when he first came to United, his desire and focus, I had Steve Barr on my show last week, he was there when, when, when Ronaldo came, and his desire and focus to be the best player in the world took him to that level. Now, I don't care who you are, if you don't have that desire and focus that Ronaldo has, you're not going to make that level. And it's not anyone else's responsibility. I'm sure whenever Alison goes into the office, the, morning, the first thought is, how do I help everybody else? You're responsible for yourself, and yes, you can teach by example. But everything else, you don't have people for that. Spot on, and I think one of the things that has to be said is his desire, his determination to be the best. I, I don't understand the argument that's been made there because, in my, in, my, in my opinion, I think that rubs off on players that he plays with. I think he is a role model with his work great. I think he's a role model for other players in a footballing capacity with just his general physique and how he looks after himself. I mean, the man is 36 and and, and, and he looks probably better than most 23, 24-year-old footballers who you're thinking are only going to start to approach their peak. So he's got to look after his own performance, number one. He's won lots of trophies with teams that he's played for, both at club and international level. So I would hardly argue it's been to the detriment of the teams in the nation that he's played for. And as I say, it's got to rub off on everyone else. So I'm baffled by that comment as well. Well, especially when you've got a whole rush of ex-players who have played for them, absolutely ecstatic that he's coming back. You know, and you take a look at Portugal, you know, when they're when the when the Euros under Ronaldo. And you're going, what's more important here? You know, achievement personally and collectively or 
being good buddies, you know. Yeah, let me show you how to take a free kick, Mr. Uh, Valdo Fernandez. You know, let me show you. I mean, you need to have people for that. What you need to ask of you and every top sport institution in the world of their athletes is you focus on yourself. Okay, the collective, you know, yes, of course, you have to be able to operate within a team and all that there, right? Um, but an athlete's responsibilities, first and foremost, is to themselves, right? And if Cristiano Ronaldo's driving focus takes him to a level that most other players can't get to, that's not his fault, right? So, you know, Lionel Messi wasn't dragging all the Barcelona kids, you know, to, to the uh, you know, you know to, to to new levels. You know they they did that together. You know the if Lionel Messi wasn't who he was, it doesn't matter how good Iniesta is. It doesn't matter how good Xavi is. He you won't make it, right? So I'm sure Cristiano Ronaldo is not at Manchester United as a as a coach. He's there to play, right? And all great players, especially strikers, are selfish. And if they weren't selfish, they wouldn't score um, the number of goals that they have. You think of all the sort of great strikers throughout the years, even even talking about the great, I suppose, another great number nine of this sort of time. You think of Robert Lewandowski, who's been doing it year in, year out at Dortmund for, for, for Bayern Munich and, and with Poland as well. I get they, they naturally have to have that, um, in a footballing sense, predatorial instinct where that ball comes to me, I will finish it off. You see it with Haaland, who's who's obviously mm-hmm. doing incredibly well at Dortmund and was doing well at Salzburg. He will get the absolute maximum out of himself. His numbers mm-hmm. in terms of assists and goals showcase that. And if he is getting the best from himself, then that's, as I say, it's got to rub off on other people. But at the end of the day, as you've rightly said, it's other players' responsibility to take charge of their own performance. If Ronaldo's scoring 40 goals a season, as he has done at previous clubs, if other players aren't stepping up to the plate and not putting in uh, increased levels of performance, that's on them and that's on the coaches to get more out of them. He could only do the best for him and the best for his team. And by scoring goals and being a match winner, you can't ask for any more. That's what we want from every single striker. And if you support any team in the country, you want your striker to score big goals and match-winning goals. And that's what Ronaldo has constantly done throughout his career. Well, and he's also in no position, Callum, to start pontificating to others if he's not doing that himself, right? If he's sitting there scoring five, ten goals a season and not being arsed and not contributing, and but, but, but his best buddies be everybody, uh, such as Mendy. You know, if you want a Mendy that you had at Man City, you know, I'm not even going to touch disgraceful allegations against them for one reason and one reason only. I'm not going to use some child who's been sexually assaulted to score points against a Manchester City player. To me, that's all wrong. Right? You either care about the offence or you don't. But I'm talking about it on a personal level. Mendy, he was a club joker, right? I'm sure everyone loved him, you know, with his jokes and his pranks. But that's not what he was there to do, you know? And 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 so to me, I think that um, it's similar in the sense that with Solskjaer, he has to win playing exciting, attractive football. It's not enough for Solskjaer just to win anymore, right? And I mean, if you want an, an illustration of the progress United have made, there, there it is, right? The fact that United are um, you know, no longer, you know, well, well, anyone under Mourinho was acceptable, right? Uh, Mourinho was percentage football. I don't care how we win. I let you have the possession stats. I let you have the overhead kick stats. We take the points. And everyone thought, that's lovely. That's ruthless Mourinho. But Solskjaer, no, no, no. It's not acceptable. You know, we were reminded of how much he spent. It's never calculated how much he sold to. Um, and um, so to me, I think, um, obviously, 
certain people, certain players have different expectations. And I'll tell you something, Callum, in the space of 24 little hours, we went from Ronaldo going to Manchester City, which seemed to make perfect sense, which seemed to be the, the deal that was going to propel City to the title. So all of a sudden, Ronaldo was a selfish brat. Well, what summed that up for me over here in the UK was uh, Trevor Sinclair, yes. who obviously played for Man City when uh, when he was going to, when Ronaldo was seemingly going to join Manchester City. An excellent signing, someone who knows where the back of the net is and someone who will give City that clinical cutting edge. Mm. Fast forward those 24 hours when he's going to United, it then went from clinical, great finisher, take City to the next level to be he won't play every game and he'll hold youth back. I found that <laughs> particularly telling because a lot of people are saying, oh, it's City bias. I see it as someone who's nervous because they know United have got a real match winner and someone that could propel them towards a real serious challenge for the title. Gary Neville spoke over here in the UK on Monday Night Football about United, maybe with the current squad before Ronaldo joined, been able to hit maybe late 70s in terms of points. He talked about someone like a Kane coming in to score the goals that could propel United to mid-80s, late-80s and really challenge for that title. Ronaldo ticks those boxes and that's why you're seeing guys like Sinclair and others come out with these comments and backtracking very suddenly because naturally they, they do have some club biases and, and they're nervous, Phil. They absolutely are nervous. I think as Trevor was back paddling, he met me on the way forward because uh, I, I don't know completely 24 so, well, yeah, 360 myself to be fair like you know on Thursday I was the pragmatist you know the, I'll be honest I, I'll be honest you know we didn't talk about this I talked about this when Nicole but um, <clears throat> when that first news broke on Thursday that he could be going to city and, and and it was it was ubiquitous it was everywhere right so everyone was was was, um, was mentioning this so it seemed to be uh, we seem to have legs. Now, I've spoken to people at United about Ronaldo before <clears throat> over the years and uh, the last 12 months, and they never ever ruled it out. They were emphatic about ruling other things, but Ronaldo was always, to me, something that Edward would want to do before he left. And so, uh, and it was no question a pursuit of many months and years. Um, so, but I think George Mendes, and, and for I, I want to make this point come because it's really important, showed what agents do. That's an agent doing his job. Okay, so when you're complaining about United and not being able to sell players, please, I urge you to remember, United will communicate to a client's representative and say, your client is available. We will let them leave. This is how much we want. Then it's the agent's job to go get interested clubs that are willing to pay that fee. Not United. You know, if you're going to sell your bike, you're not going around knocking everyone's door saying, hey, do you want to buy a bike, mate? Right? You put a, an ad somewhere, you let someone know this is how much your bike is available for. You know what I mean? It, it, or if you have a sales rep, agent, they do the job for you. That's what an agent's supposed to do. Right, you need it or not, ringing up football clubs and going, Here, do you know what? I've got such and such available, such and such a price. Do you want them? This just doesn't happen like that, right? So, that's what an agent's job is. So, George Mendes, space 24 hours, got Cristiano Ronaldo to Manchester United by using Manchester City as bait, right? I don't think Ronaldo was ever going to go there, right? At least I can go to my grave now with that in my heart, right? And I have a good reason to believe that. Um, so, um, 
I was okay up until I saw that Photoshop picture of him in a, in a city shirt. And then it really hit me. I was like, oh, Christ. You know, because probably over time he'd have been forgiven, right? I'm sure Chelsea fans will over time forgive him for going to Man City. Man City, Chelsea's not exactly the same thing, but you know what I mean? Um, you know, we've forgiven you know, Dennis Law. We've forgiven lots of players that have gone there. You know, Andy Cole went there. But the thing is, this city's different than the city that I grew up with, right? And so this one really would have hurt. And I never wanted to have to have that compromise of, you know what, we'll eventually uh, get over that he went to City. I never wanted to see him go there. I never wanted to see him score a goal. And I never wanted to share Ronaldo with him. I think if he'd went to City, you're right, it would have taken time to heal that to heal that sort of divide that would have been created. But it would have been so hard to sit back and watch him in those colours, playing at that stadium and scoring important goals for them. And I think you talked about Ed Woodward. You talked about him wanting Ronaldo back. For someone like Ed Woodward, who has on on occasion spoken about United wanting to make sort of blockbuster signings, for him on his watch, albeit in his last few months, to see what probably the most iconic Manchester United figure that's still currently playing the game, join another club, would have been would have been something that I don't think he would he would have been able to live down himself, even though he's leaving. Because if if he, it was on his watch, he probably had to have left almost immediately because it would be unforgivable in many ways in the eyes of so many fans. Because there was a real feeling of anger and disappointment. But as you say, in twenty four hours, that turned to sheer jubilation. I was like a kid in Christmas morning. It was like uh, it was like a flashback. It really was, and I cannot wait to see him pull on those United colours and play Old Trafford again because even though he's advancing in years, as I said earlier, he is a goal scorer. He's not the Ronaldo he was 12 years ago, but no footballer is the same player they were five, ten years ago and people need to stop putting that comparison out. I saw um, a few pundits over here saying, well, United fans are going to get a shot when they see Ronaldo play for United. He's not the same player. He was a top scorer in Serie A last season. A lot of people have, have got revisionism on Romelu Lukaku because he had a couple of good seasons in Italy. Ronaldo outscored him in Italy. That shows you the, the, the quality that he has in and around the box, and that's what United are crying out for. You see the people that say this, Tom? They don't watch um, foreign football. Right? Because I've seen some nonsensical comparisons made. Right? And... Paul Merson being one. I love Merson. By the way, folks, just can me add a caveat on this. Anyone, whether it's a footballer, politics, I don't care who it is. You see, if you want to attack their, their their views, go ahead and do that. But see if you're going to attack an individual about their alcoholism or their addiction or the depression. Don't fucking do that on my time, man. All right? I am not having that. I saw a bunch of people do that. Because here's the thing. You're insulting me. Right, because if someone wants to attack my views, go ahead. But you want to attack the fact that I was an addict and depressed? Yes, that happened because of an extremely traumatic event in my life. Through no fault of my own. Right now, I take ownership of a lot of things that happened with that. But for people to denigrate other human beings based on that is just totally. Un- I mean, imagine you turn around and saying, "With Paul Morrison, uh, fucking cancer-ridden idiot." You want to use the guy's illness to attack his football views? Don't do that. I'm not having that. Honestly, I totally bang out of order. I don't care who it is, right? Call people cokeheads or whatever. Bang out of order. Don't do it on my timeline, all right? Is it, Calm, <clears throat> I'm involved with the mental health charity. Sorry to, 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 to deflect there, TV a bit from what I'm saying. <clears throat> but um, 
And I see the reports every day, people across all social spectrums, red superb, whatever, doesn't matter, whose lives are destroyed with depression, addiction, PTSD, everything, and are on down these young children, everything. Now, you see this up, up close, you realize it's nothing to joke about. It's not funny, nor is it an acceptable insult. So honestly, folks, don't do that because I'm someone that's a massive advocate of mental health and addiction treatment. So can imagine how fancy that is to me? Don't do that. Plus, I know Paul Morrison personally, right? And I can assure you he is an amazing human being, right? Um, I haven't dealt with him in a long time, but um, for about two years, he was doing stuff for me on BTP for, you know, never asked me for a penny, right? Nothing was too much trouble for that guy. You know, Two o'clock in the morning, no problems. What? Just a lovely human being, right? So anyway, I just wanted to add that. Just, because, just to add a, a story yes. on Paul Merson. Um, I was lucky enough to meet Paul um, through in Dundee a couple of years ago. And uh, we uh, it was an event and turned up and the, the event was sold out. So I went through with mm-hmm. my then girlfriend, now fiance. She didn't have a ticket because it was sold out. Went down to meet Merce before it. We were talking away, mm-hmm. and he said, "Oh, what brings you through here?" The the guy who's uh, who was running the event said, "You travel quite a bit." I said, "I'm a big fan of you. Like you in Soccer Saturday. Admire great footballers, and I think you've you've got a good personality. And I admire your story and op- openness and honesty." I said, "I'm through here. My girlfriend she doesn't have a ticket." And as soon as he heard that, he said, "No, absolutely not." He burst out laughing. He went, "We'll fix that. Don't worry." He made sure she come down, was able to get in free of charge, and we were able to sit at his table because he wanted to make that event as special as he possibly could for me when he heard that I'd travelled through. Right. And that is the mark of the man. He is a he is a class act personally. He's had some tough issues in the past. He's been very open about them. Full respect to him. And yes, I disagree with some of his football opinions, oh, whether it's Arsenal or United. But as a person and, and having that experience with him. Nothing but positive things to say about him, Paul Merson, the man. Well, yeah, and, and that's a good old story because Callum, I've sat and talked to Merch about a lot of his personal issues um, and some of the things that he's done, and it's heartbreaking, mate. That's the only thing you can take away from it is it's absolutely heartbreaking because it it, it devastated him personally. Um, <clears throat> so to me, I think um, internet, you know, social media is partially responsible where we can no longer respectfully disagree. Some people do, but most people don't. You know, I've I've seen stuff on my timeline for the most benign tweets like uh, "Hope Dallow plays well tomorrow." What do you get back? Someone the three crying, laughing faces. He's fucking shit. I hope he gets in a car accident and fucking wipes. <gasps> what type of human being reads that and decides this is reasoned, rational response? I've had. I mean, you know, see people in the timeline talking about masks and vaccines are akin to Nazi Germany. I go, honestly, it's infuriating. Jesus Christ. Anyway, sorry, I, mean, I didn't mean to, to, to deviate, but th- this is just something I want to say first because I, I, I'm very, very open about mental health, but I've seen people commend me on my mental health things and then go criticize Paul Merson for, for things that, quite frankly, are, are, are a disgrace. You wouldn't make fun of cancer. You wouldn't make fun of lupus. You wouldn't make fun of any other illness. But don't do that. Um, I disagree with what he said about Ronaldo. That's fine. He knows that. Anyone who puts a pulp, an opinion out there knows, listen, you're going to get criticized that comes with it i never cared about critical criticism criticism of my opinions because that's how you test how robust your opinions are maybe someone has better information and i abandon my view and go do you know what they're right i'm wrong 
That and that's okay. Because if you can show me that I'm wrong with better information, my ego is not so attached to that particular view that I'm going to defend it, even when it clearly is wrong. So to me, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, <clears throat> but um, <clears throat> excuse me, with Ronaldo. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm have to be honest, me a bit fed up hearing about him, but just when I was reaching fatigue with the whole thing, they uploaded the pictures of him training yesterday, which was a beautiful sight, I must confess. Um, but is there a potential he doesn't make his debut this weekend with all clearance and everything else? It'll, it'll certainly be very interesting to see. I think with the hype surrounding it and the fact that Sky Sports over here are even billing it as you can't watch the game live, but as soon as 5.15 hits and the blackout finishes, mm. the highlights will be on immediately after the game. Extend the highlights of Ronaldo. I can watch it live. <laughs> well, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> I, unfortunately, I cannot. Um, but I think I think, he, I think think he will make his debut. No legal streams that day, mate? No. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> um, I think I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be surprised if he made his debut from the bench or he maybe played mm. 55, 60 minutes. I don't think he'll play the full 90. Oh, I could be wrong with that, but I, I think he'll either make his debut from the bench or, as I say, play for a part of the game. I think the, the beauty of United at the moment is they've, they have options in forward areas. You've got Ronaldo, you've got Cavani, you've got Martial, mm. you've got Greenwood, you've got Rashford, you've got Sancho. Uh, Wingard's still at the club, as I know, will come to later. There are plenty of options in those forward positions. Um, still got a few good younger players that are at the club as well who can, who can play in those positions. So I think it's good and refreshing to see a United side that even if Ronaldo wasn't to start and Cavani was available, Cavani is an excellent player mm -hmm. to have in your side. Mm -hmm. And to have that level of depth is, is 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 extraordinary considering that two years ago we were talking about options that were incredibly limited in, in, in those forward areas. Um, we've gone from Sean Longstaff to um, Ronaldo, Sancho. You know, you look at the calibre of players that were signed this summer, right? Um, this was unthinkable a couple of years ago, even under Mourinho. So to me, I think that it's a reflection of how far Schultz taking the football club. And I'll have Ollie on the show on Friday. Um, trying to get the exact time sorted out. and Looking forward to chatting with him. Um, <clears throat> but uh, we'll have that up at some point on Friday. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the quality of, that's been signed, uh, since we've recorded uh, United Player Wolves, um, which is distant memory now, but one of the things I wanted to point out to that game about that game was just high good. Rafael Varane was because worst game to make a debut in, in the sense that even though they're Portuguese, basically, uh, Wolves were a quintessentially English team. Incredibly quick on the counter-attack. Madame Traore, a nightmare. And if you can adjust the Premier League in that game, then I'm relatively confident. You know, let's even say um, Rafael Varane, uh, Varane um, flops. Let's just say that. One thing you cannot criticize United for is not sending the best centre back in the world in, or, or trying to send the best centre back in the world that's available. If they bring in a young player, lots of speculation, or, or, uh, lots of hype, um, you know, still young. A lot of development to do, and it doesn't work out. You can criticize United for that because you can say, "Look, you you gambled." But this is the closest thing you're going to get to certainty. Now, there's no such thing as certainty, but this is the closest thing you're going to get. You cannot fault United for targeting the best players 
right, that are available in that position. And I'm sorry, but there isn't anyone, in my opinion, that was available this summer, or maybe at all. I would put uh, Rafael Varane up there with Virgil van Dijk and other top centre-backs across the world. His CV speaks for itself, and I think the way he played in that game against Wolves was 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 an excellent start. He was commanding, mm-hmm. he was very comfortable on the ball, he was everything that you associate with an elite centre-back in modern football. He's got the trophies and the CV yep. to back up uh, the performances that he has, and he's, he's only, like Ronaldo, he's the sort of player that, with those players around him in defence and the goalkeeper behind, he's only going to get an extra 10-15% out of people around him because their confidence increases when they know that they've got Rafael Varane beside them or behind them or in front of them, whatever it may be. And that's what Ronaldo is going to deliver as well. So for me, a great start. And Newcastle's the sort of game that I am intrigued to see him play in because United will have most of the ball. Uh, Newcastle aren't like Wolves on the counter-attack. Um, more direct, I would say, so he could obviously have a more physical threat um, up front, particularly if they go with Joe Linton and Wilson, albeit I'm not a big fan of Joe Linton. I don't think Newcastle fans are, but he is, he is physical, if, if nothing else. So it'll be interesting to see how he, how he reacts in that sort of game with the physical challenges of maybe more direct football, but I think he'll have a lot of time in the ball. And as you saw against Wolves with the quality of his passing, he thrives in time on the ball, whereas at times I felt that Lindelof could be a bit hesitant and a bit nervous in the ball, which which you cannot say about Varane's confidence personified. Very much so. Um, brings to another question about this weekend. Um, there's been eight players banned for playing for their clubs, uh, Fred being one of them. Some people will say this is a couple of years too late. No, I'm just joking. Just joking. No. Um, <clears throat> in all seriousness, um, from a you know from from a macro perspective, this is heading for a lawsuit, and this is going to get nasty, right? In my opinion, even the current climate, it's indefensible to be sending footballers to the four corners of the globe at the moment. I understand international football federations are very powerful. I understand there's a lot of money at stake here. They're not, you know, they're not going to vote in players' best interests. Um, and South American players, particularly, a lot of other countries, but 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 them too. They, they love playing for their country, right? So these players really want to play for their country. Um, but uh, the question is, is it safe? And you saw the debacle between Brazil and Argentina. Just a total joke. To me, that was performative nonsense. That could have been done at any other time, right? But instead, they said it, probably some payback for the Copa America. Um, but uh, to me, there's a ticking time bomb coming here between clubs and international football federations and players are going to get caught in the middle of this. Um, well, we'll deal with the, the alternatives to Fred at the minute, in, a, in a minute, but um, what's your take on this? I think it's chaotic, um, as you saw with the scenes in the Argentina-Brazil game. I think it's only going to become even more chaotic in the sense that we've got another international break in October and another one in November. Yep. Normally you've got the October one and we've got a break to about February and March, mm-hmm. but because there's another two coming up in quick succession with players, with the FIFA rule being invoked by Brazil to, to ban these players, that's going to get clubs backs up. It's then going to get players backs up as well because they obviously want to play for their international sides. Um, but they also want to represent their clubs. Solskjaer, of course, a few weeks ago says, I know who my employers are. And I think that's something that these players are wary of and understand. They fully appreciate that the clubs that they play, pay, play for pay their wages. They are there the majority of the time. 
and if these countries are on a red list, as there's there's been a lot of chat about footballers and whether they're all vaccinated or they're going to get vaccinated. That for me, that's irrelevant in the sense that if a country is deemed a dangerous place to be, as a as a fan or as a player, you probably don't want to be good in there, even if it's your homeland for a, yeah. a limited period of time until you know it's safe to do so. And I think it's vital that. FIFA, uh, UEFA and the clubs try and have a conversation to sort this out. There was a, obviously, there's been proposals to maybe play certain internationals all in a green list country and do it mm-hmm. in, a, in a more uh, controlled manner. Because of the finances involved, yep. as we've discussed on air and off air in recent weeks, Phil, I don't think that'll be possible. But there needs to be a serious consultation and it has to happen quickly because if it's not been solved with this international break and we're seeing clubs in countries butt heads, then you can only imagine it's going to escalate over the next couple of months, which is what none of the top sides need, United being one of them. Well, Colin, you've even got situations where I've been reading accounts from players that have had COVID and it wasn't straightforward by any means. It wasn't straightforward recovery. Some of them were relatively bad. Um, I think it was Alan St. Maxim had it really bad. And uh, uh, there's a bunch of others that if you look at it, if you're exposing, you know, everyone keeps talking about the death toll. There's a lot of other things can happen as well other than dying. You can have serious detrimental effects to your health, right? And you, of course, can transmit the virus. I don't like getting political, but this to me is not political talent. To me, um, the idiocy around vaccines, vaccines save lives. Vaccines, the science is irrefutable. Um, and the idea that the world's epidemiologists and virologists are all in some type of cabal, for some unknown reason, I don't know. Um, and the idea that it happened out here, Trump was in on this and Trump was in on making these, you know, participating in this fake uh, virus and then fake uh, vaccine. It's just insanity. There's a reason why we don't have people running around saying two plus two equals five. Because we've educated the populace enough to know that that's bullshit, okay? But we've got gaps in our knowledge with basic scientific literacy, and I don't want to get, I don't want to to, to deviate in this, but it's frustrating because this has a knock-on effect across. You know, United are running a pilot scheme this weekend about COVID. This has this has a massive effect on human beings' lives, on sport on the fact that we've just got fans back and if not enough people get vaccinated we are going to go back to where we were right um and uh you, you know and the people who use one percent of science to refute 99 percent of science that that's people who are seeking out something to support their view rather than evidence creating their view so to me i every we all have skin in the game here all right we're all human beings and my business has been decimated right uh, it's heavily affected me, it's heavily affected my children, it's heavily affected all of us, right? So if this offends you, it's not me that offends you, it's the truth, I'm sorry, vaccines work, and it's the only way out of this. To me, I think uh, I, 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 I have nothing against people that have skeptics, skepticism because I totally understand people's skepticism completely, right? I get it. It's not you have a problem with it. It's the bastards that spread this misinformation that causes problem in the first place. Um, and we all have to be grown-ups to be mature enough to accept things that don't we don't agree with. That's life, right? So it's emotional maturity. Sometimes you have to accept uncomfortable truths. These are very serious issues for players. These are very serious issues for their families. And, you know, I'm also a big boxing fan, Callum. And... Tyson Fury, John T. Wilder fight is cancelled. 
because Tyson Fury tests positive for COVID, right? Um, didn't get properly vaccinated. You only got allegedly one, didn't get the second one. It, to me, that Tyson Fury should be sued and should have to pay back every single penny to all the fans that paid all that money to go to these events that they can no longer go to and the massive cost involved with canceling that. As an athlete, you have a responsibility to follow science, all right? If you don't want, you know, you know, I, and as an immigrant, I had to have a laundry list of vaccine vaccinations and they have to be current. Every single, and just to use a summary count, um, vaccines are like helmets. Stop saying, oh my God, he got in an accident wearing a helmet. You're still, you can still contract COVID, but you see the dirt in the, in, in the, to help you not die from it. Okay. To survive it. That's what it is. So to me, I think, uh, the, 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 it's unconscionable that we're asking players to go to places all over the world where COVID is rife, where four and a half million people are dead around the world. How many people are going to have to die for us to take this serious? It's not the flu. It's not some type of conspiracy theory. It's very real. It is, and, and, and as you say, um, the, the ignorance that some people have is, is astounding and Again, I, I, I'm all for people having a choice. I'm all for people um, making their own minds up. But as you say, the thing that frustrates me most is the misinformation that is spread because it's deeply dangerous. It's been dangerous mm-hmm. throughout history. Right. You think of the propaganda that certain states and um, certain organisations have spread throughout, throughout centuries um, that have caused untold damage. And I think it's important that people... Given the facts, and as I say, I'm all for choice. You can't force people into doing something if they really, really don't mm-hmm. want to do it. That's fine. But as long as you've given them all the facts to make that informed choice, then then I think that's all we can ask for. Uh, a, a majority of people are being vaccinated. Uh, we are seeing things gradually open up. Whether we're opening up too fast or not, obviously, is a debate for other people, maybe not ourselves. But it's important that to keep yourself safe and your family safe, get vaccinated. And I think that's something that um, has to be put out there, um, especially for um, young, young sort of people in their late teens, early, early twenties, because the figures over here in the UK are a lot of those people haven't been vaccinated yet are now contracting this virus mm-hmm. because obviously the older population have now been vaccinated. So fingers crossed, people can make that informed choice with the facts that are there and we can start to gradually see an end to this because, as you say, Phil, it's been painful for so many families, yes, so many man. businesses and so many individuals. And hopefully there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously, I'm not saying our old world was perfect. Of course, it wasn't of course, It man. wasn't perfect by any means. But we want to see a more um, we want to see a more stable world in the sense that um, people can get back to what they liked to do, whether it was going to a theatre, going out for a meal or, or going to a football yeah. match without being worried. And fingers crossed we can get back to that in the near future. Yeah, we all need that. And, and look, just to, to finish up on this topic, I have no ill will towards anyone. I'm not one of those people that celebrates on vaccine people getting sick and what have you. I think that's disturbing. It's disgusting to me, quite totally frankly. Um, and there's someone who doesn't get vaccinated out of legitimate fears, um, which is perfectly fine. But the information is there to, to quell those fears. But if you've got for whatever reason you don't get vaccinated, people get sick. If you are so inhumane that you can't have empathy for that human being, you're a sick bastard. I'm sorry. Um, and, and you know, all society functions on agreed truths, right? We have to have those. So, and one of those agreed truths is our civil liberties never extend to inflicting pain and suffering on someone else, okay? 
otherwise we'd all be dead. And it's a good thing we don't have that rule. And there is no aspect of life where we can conduct any particular thing that we consider to be a civil liberty that poses a serious threat to anyone else. I can't get to tell, I don't get to tell people that, hey, I want to go out drink driving tonight. Everyone's got to stay home because um, it's an infringement on my civil liberties, if, if not. But uh, anyway, man, that's for, that's, I, 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 don't, I don't like getting into these topics because I know they're emotive and I know there's going to be people listening to this that are going to be angry at me. And and I, I, honestly, it's not, I'm not writing criticism at you. What I'm saying to you is there is, this is a very serious public health issue and lots of people are dying, right? Please, there's probability and possibility. There's, is it possible there's a teapot orbit in the moon? Yes, but not probable, right? Is it possible that the whole world's scientific community is in on this? Not probable, right? So uh, anyway, uh, <clears throat> maybe we'll move on. Lots of other things to talk about, of course. Um, with the game this weekend, um, one of the consequences of this COVID thing could be Fred won't play. Um, I suspect he probably won't play. In some sense, it creates uh, an opportunity for Solskjaer to play Van der Beek. There's been a lot of talk in the last week about Van der Beek. Right? And uh, to me, interesting comments from his agent. And he said something in there that lots of people overlooked, in my opinion, but was really, really important. It said, you can't guarantee a player will play, right? But what you can do is you can guarantee him an opportunity, right? And that's all Solskjaer can do. You keep working hard, I'll give you an opportunity. But it's rarely perfect at a club like Manchester United. And Marcus Rashford. So I remember talking to Franz Hoke about this, right? <clears throat> this is why I found Rio Ferdinand's analogy about Phil Jones keeping someone out of the team to be absolutely insanity. Um, but... Uh, Prior to that game, were uh, I think it was Arsenal. Uh, Andy Marshall gets injured in the warm up. So you never have no other striker. So they have a choice. Do we play Rashford or we try to play someone else in that position? The last thing they give Rashford a go, Marcus Rashford had to take that opportunity when it came his way. It wasn't perfect. He didn't have time to it, didn't have training. Didn't, and maybe in some sense that helped them, so he didn't overthink it. Right? Van der Beek has to take his chance when it comes. I want to see him take his chance. I want to see him play where a play for Manchester United. I want to see him be a success, but he has to take his chance now. He has to take the opportunity when it comes his way. And as you say, all, all, all he can do is, is encourage him to work hard and press and training. And if he can do that, then promise him that he will get a start or uh, an extended period of time off the bench. When he gets that chance, as you say, Philly has to grasp it. This weekend could be that opportunity. And it's something that I think um, will be intriguing to see if he does get that opportunity um, because it seems like he's not someone who's fancied in that more defensive position. So if he is given an opportunity alongside Bruno and uh, Pogba, it will be interesting to see how they can gel because three of them are are more natural going forward uh, rather than defending. There's even been some talk over here um, from certain parts that Lindelof could be considered as a sort of holding midfield mm. player and I think that's something obviously that might come to fruition in time I don't think it'll be the case this weekend um, but I think with the players if McTominay's not playing and Fred's not playing if he can't get a start ahead of Matic who is a good player but is, is ageing and doesn't have the pace anymore then I, I think he has to 
he has to be worried that he's not going to get those opportunities. But as as you've said, he has to create them for himself because if he puts in the performances and training that are irresistible, then Ollie simply won't be able to ignore him. That's football. Uh, how many times have we seen a player um, over the years, not just at United, been told they're surplus to requirements? They then produce incredible performances and training, force their way back in, and hey presto, they get a new contract and they become a mainstay in years to come um, at a club. So it's important, as you say, he works hard, gets the opportunity, and, and he has to grasp it. Well, <clears throat> he started four Premier League games last season. Right? That's unbelievable. So there's clearly something about him that Solskjaer doesn't fancy. And <clears throat> I'll go back to the PSG game at Old Trafford. Right? Van der Beek and Maddox were on the bench that day. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, um, you know, when you look at that game, Callum, it was obvious Fred was a serious liability. And it was obvious if he could sent off, it was going to cause a huge problem in the in, in how that game and the balance shifted. Yet Solskjaer still chose to take the risk with Fred in a, in a key game, then play either Maddox or Van der Beek. That tells me there's something about Van der Beek defensively that Solskjaer just doesn't trust at all. Now, I've mentioned this in other shows before. I've heard certain things said about his positional play, about how he holds shape. It's not the greatest. I don't know if that's true or not. I've just had, uh, but some, to be fair, I've heard it a couple of times and it's come from people that I respect and that certainly would have contacts, but you just don't know if it's just a circle of shade. You know, the rumours that just go around and around and around. Um, but nonetheless, he hasn't kicked the ball all season, right? It's three games in, not a single minute. Not against Leeds when we're 5 one up. So if he's not the answer, if you can't get in the game when you're 5-1 up, and he can't get in the game when you're drawn against Southampton, you can't get a game, right, when uh, you're not going to win the other way to Wolves. When is he the answer to any question? And like his agent said, he's not a Carabao Cup player. He's not an FA Cup player or a Europa League player. But the thing that would concern me for Van der Beek, right, and this is where he's going to have to be really, really strong, is how does he mentally convince himself that he is an integral part of Manchester United, that he is someone that is suited to the way English, the, the, the way you need to play or whatever, when you don't play. So how do you do that? And the psychological battle inside Van der Beek's head must be one of the most difficult. It must be, and I think, in my opinion, the answer would be, and again, this is only my opinion, if he can't force his way into the United team come January, I think I United agree. should try and look to loan him out within the Premier League. I don't think a loan to La Liga or Germany, in this case, would help him. I think for him to prove himself and he's worth to United, you loan him out within the Premier League, he gets a chance to show what he can do. If he does in those six months, like Lingard was able to do at West Ham, he can come back into the fold and you can maybe say, right, he's matured, he's improved with crucial time in the park. But if he doesn't force his way in, he has to be loaned out, as I say, in my opinion, for the benefit of him, but crucially also for the benefit of United, because him not playing at all in the mm -hmm. first team isn't doing United any good either. Mm -hmm. Because if he sits on the bench and maybe mm -hmm. plays, as you say, Phil, right, right, yeah. twice from the start in the Premier League, his value is only going to drop. And, of course, people say, oh, value shouldn't matter, blah, blah, blah. But if you've got a player like him who is respected, you, you if you are not going to play him regularly, you want to at least be able to cash in and get your money back. And if you don't play him at all, 
naturally his value is only going to drop. And I think United want to be able to either make him work for them or if it's not, move him on and use that money to go and get someone else, but maybe in a different position. Yeah, well, the more time elapses between those Ajax videos and anything current, his value drops. Because if you're a manager and you want a midfielder, <clears throat> you can write off a bad, a bad year. Right? Marcel Brands at Everton can write off a bad year. He knows Van der Beek say, look, bad year, okay. But when you start getting into bad two years territory, then the narrative about you as a player changes. And this is why I think, you know, I, I, just not based on any, anything other than an extrapolation of common sense. When you look at Van der Beek's situation, it's no surprise to me he sat down you know, this summer and said, I demand a change to my circumstances, whether that's at another football club, whether it's here, it doesn't matter, right? So, um, and Solskjaer is an extremely decent human being, thoroughly nice guy. Um, but everyone I've spoken to, Callum, everyone without exception has said he's a ruthless little bastard when he wants to be when he needs to be okay so he's certainly not a soft touch but um with Solskjaer you know he you look at the way he handled the Lukaku situation Alexis Sanchez and speaking of Lukaku you know when we're passing value judgment on players um this is something that's important to remember especially Van der Beek and everything we aren't in possession of all the information okay that the club are I heard a particular story last week about Lukaku, which one disappointed me very much because um, I've met him before. I've interviewed him a few times and uh, he's always really, really nice. Uh, but after hearing what I hear, heard, it, it was no surprise to me. He had moved him on and he wanted to go. Um, so to me, you know, sometimes, and I, I'm sure it's the same of Van der Beek, I don't know, we don't know the whole story. And you know, they've done a good job making sure nobody does um, because no one's been able to say anything with any high degree of confidence. So to me, I think um, if <clears throat> if we can get the player, you know, they had an Ajax, that's like a new sign to me. It is. And, and as you say, the challenge is for him to earn those opportunities and make sure those opportunities turn into regular game time. If not, as I say, United probably, as I say, will look to loan him out and, and hopefully see the benefit there. But it's all down to him, whether it's an opportunity at United and an opportunity elsewhere to try and prove his worth to United. He has to take it, and if he doesn't take it, then his time will be up. But I, I do believe there's a player in there, and hopefully we see that soon. You tell me it's not Ronaldo's fault if he doesn't play, doesn't <laughs> perform. <laughs> uh, um, what, uh, so, so let me ask you, you, you about the, the game this weekend, because... Um, you ended up against Newcastle, and it's always a fixture you know, usually do well in, uh, especially Old Trafford. Uh, what are you, what's your, what's your expectation? My expectation is that I think United will win the game relatively comfortably. I'm not saying it's going to be as comfortable uh, as Leeds United in terms of scoreline, but I think this United side, especially with Ronaldo from the start or from the bench, have got the potential to score goals. And I think when you look at Newcastle, they're a squad that have been struggling. They, as I say, aren't the most adventurous. Sant Maximum can cause problems for any side, um, but it's United's prerogative to make sure he doesn't get the ball enough to, to cause that damage, um, which I think they are capable of doing. But I think United will have lots of the ball. And I think when you look at Greenwood, you look at Ronaldo, you think of Sancho, you think of Pogba, you think of Bruno. Those are players that Newcastle will be terrified of coming up against considering that the mood at Old Trafford on Saturday is going to be mm. absolutely buoyant. Whether Ronaldo plays or he's on the bench, it's going to be absolutely buoyant. I think that can only help the players. And I think if United get an early goal, 
it could be one of those games where United are able to score three or four. If if Newcastle can somehow hold in and make it cagey um, and frustrate United, and if Ronaldo starts frustrate him, then then maybe it could be a difficult afternoon. But I I, I think the first the first fifteen twenty minutes will be particularly telling. And with this United side, um, I know we didn't see it against Wolves, we didn't really see it against Southampton. Um, but I, I think they've got the potential to score an early goal and then go on and hurt teams now. Whereas yes. maybe two seasons ago, you would think, right, United will go one up, but they'll probably concede and it'll become cagey again. Whereas if United get ahead now, more often than not, I fancy them to go and get a second goal rather than concede right away. Well, one of the great things that Ronaldo brings, <clears throat> I'm starting to see is actually Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood has a wonderful variety of goals, right? Hits him with his left foot, hits him with his right foot, outside the box, inside the box, goal sniffer. You know, there's so many things he can do. Cavani is an old-fashioned number nine, probably one of the best in the world, right? A dying breed of that Lewandowski type, number nine, goal hanger, hangs on your shoulder, picks up bread and butter, scores goals. Um, I'm convinced that had he started against Southampton and played, you know, would have won that game. Um, Ronaldo is also a player that gives you great variety. And this is really important because, come up until United St. Bruno Fernandes, they were a one-trick pony. They were a counter-attacking team. They were they no other dimension. And they were really easy to work out. When you're playing against a team like United, you now have to concentrate for 93, 94 minutes. Because one mistake, as we saw Ronaldo last week against Ireland, um, he, he, oh, that's all he needs. He can be quiet for 90 minutes, boom, boom. And changes the game of football with two pieces of magic. You think you've got them wrapped up, you can get the game one, and then bang, you're on your arse. That's what you needed to bring them in for because they're not bringing them in to beat the Norwiches or what have you. They're bringing them in to make the difference in the big, big games where thin, thin, thin margins make the big difference. He's also a winner, so he's going to demand higher standards of everyone around him. And these players are all behaving like fans. So to me, I think uh, those are the benefits. Um, that, that he brings the if you want to pick out a negative this week it would be the Jesse Lingard situation which to me is totally odd now when Jesse Lingard left you know last January it was for an obvious reason you couldn't get in the team ahead of the midfield that, that you didn't have but that was still the same when he came back nothing has changed for the reasons why he left a year ago so why is he still here now, to me, that's again down to the agent. It is, and I don't understand why he's still here. I saw a quote um, today, I think it quoted a source, it didn't quote, any, quote anyone directly, saying "Oh, he's frustrated that his opportunities will be more limited now that Ronaldo has joined. Mm. For, forget Ronaldo, Ronaldo doesn't play in the same position as Jesse Lingard, I don't think Ronaldo's Jesse's problem. Um, I think he's a, he's a player who... Is very capable. He scored a couple of goals during the international break. He was exceptional at West Ham in a team that really made him the mainstay. United simply aren't going to make him the mainstay, as you say. He's not going to displace Fernandez. You look at the wide areas now and you've got Greenwood, you've got Rashford when he's back, you've got Sancho, you've got players that are ahead of him even in those wide areas, so you can't even accommodate him in there. I think he should have moved on in the summer. The only, and again, this is my opinion, making that clear, I think it's just a case of them running down the contract so that in January they've got their option open to get a big signing on for elsewhere, whereas they could have went this summer, probably to West Ham. United wouldn't have played ball unless it was in their terms. I think maybe they've, again, this is just my opinion, maybe they've tried to hint to United that he, he wants to stay and fight for his place, so he'll sign a new deal and United will get that value next summer anyway or in January anyway, whereas maybe that was just a power play for him 
putting it into his own hands where he can sign a pre-contract in January and scoop up a decent signing on fee and crucially decide his own destiny where um, there'll be numerous clubs in for him on a free rather than maybe if he was 25 or 30 million. Again, just my opinion, but he should have moved on in the summer for the good of his career. Um, staying at United is something that I can understand players wanting to do, but if you've got no realistic pathway to regular first-team football, as a player who's approaching uh, their 30th birthday in a couple of years, you need to be playing, particularly mm-hmm. if you want to play regularly for your country. Well, and that form got him back in the England team. Uh, from what I understood, I don't know if this is 100% correct, though, with 70% accuracy, 75 that he didn't want to go back to West Ham, wanted to move abroad. Um, so I don't know, uh, but uh, certainly it seems particularly odd that uh, he would want to stay at Manchester United, having just had the best six months of his career, let's be honest, right? Um, and you capitalise on that, because I'm pretty sure Jesse Lingard could have left United for a reasonable fee this summer, even if it was paid over five years away in Edward Ronaldo deal, I'm sure they would have been okay with doing that. Um, and he would have walked into a bumper deal somewhere. So to me, um, odd situation, uh, so last name it. Um, shortly after this games, uh, they, you know they, they you know play young boys, of course, in the Champions League. Um, looking forward to seeing it back in the Champions League and part of United Group as a group this year. Um, last season will haunt us. To me, I know PSG at home was a disaster. I know the, the Leipzig game was a disaster, but but if there's a final moment to that group for me. It will always be that Pasixa here goal, where that to me was astonishing. That a professional football team could, could concede that goal. Absolutely, and, and and you're right. It is crucial that United get through the group this season. I think the <clears throat> the group that they have um, is a group where they they should be expected to go through. Mm-hmm. Last year they should have been as well. Let's be honest with you. Um, but I think this year in particular, and I don't mean this disrespectfully, and people will say, "Oh, they beat you in the Europa League final." For Villarreal to be your pot one side. I mean that that's probably arguably the best you could get, you know. Um, in, in that sense, you could argue Leo because they've lost quite a few players as well. But I, I think United have to fancy themselves. Crucially, as I mentioned earlier, Phil, United have got depth in quite a variety of positions, um, which 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 makes me happy because you are going to play, or United should expect to play 55, 60 games a season because that's what every successful team does. You've now got options, as I say, you've got Greenwood, you've got Rashford when he's back, you've got Sancho, you've got Ronaldo, you've got Cavani, you've got Martial. Um, When they're all fit, you've got McTominay, you've got Van de Beek, you've got Matic, you've got Fred in that sort of holding midfield position, potentially. Defence, obviously, now Lindelof's a squad player rather than just an out-and-out starter every week. So, for me, United have got the squad to be able to cope with a load of these games. Um, I think the group lends itself to them being able to make a couple of changes against the likes of young boys at home um, or even Villarreal at home because if you are to swap Greenwood for Rashford when he's there, I don't think there's a real drop. I think you would, I would say Greenwood, of course, is far more clinical than Rashford, but, but the, the, the days of a complete drop-off at United in these key positions appears to be gone now, which is good because there was nothing worse than when you were losing an established player and you were bringing in maybe someone that was really untested or someone that, like Martial, I suppose, when you were relying on him as a sole number nine when there were injuries to lead the line when you know he's probably not up to it over an extended period of time. So the level of depth for me has me um, confident for this group. I don't think United are going to walk it by any means because European football, of course, is always difficult and it's important to remember that. But as I say, I think the depth of squad is there for United to... To, to, to really work hard, get through the group and c- crucially not allow European 
performances or travels affect them in the league? Because as I say, depth is key. I think they've got it, and fingers crossed that they can get off to a flyer, not only against Newcastle, but also against Young Boys midweek. They agree. And uh, one other re-emergence that's flown under the radar is David De Gea. Uh, we have seen the David De Gea of old, first three games. In fact, we could probably be looking at one win and two defeats had it not been for De Gea. I agree, and I, I said on the show a few weeks ago before I, before I went off, um, I think Tom, and again, people say, oh, he's not going to displace him. I think Tom Heaton coming back is actually an astute signing in the sense that I think him coming in the door made De Gea and Henderson, who obviously ended up picking up an injury, um, look at things and say, if he's coming in, one of us could be vulnerable to leaving. And I think mm-hmm. maybe being displaced by the other and sitting on the bench is something that, I'm not, I don't know them personally. Maybe they could have stomached for another season, getting a decent wage on the bench, playing top games. But when someone like Heaton comes in and it looks yeah. as if he might become the number two and you need to leave, that might just put a bit of fire in the belly to say, do you know, I really want this. And it's important that I get that fire back and I show that I really want this because with the likes of Ronaldo and Varane and Sancho coming in, I want to be playing with these guys. I don't want to be looking at it from the outside in and wondering what if, if United obviously go on and be successful. So, for me, I think maybe him Heaton coming in and maybe that jeopardy of I could actually move on and miss playing with these great players we've brought in this summer has maybe just reinvigorated the spark in him. And that double save against Wolves was incredible. Yeah. And fingers crossed he can t- continue it because we've said it in the show, Phil. Uh, we've spoken to Franz Hoke about uh, Henderson as well in the past. Mm-hmm. I think he's a good goalkeeper. I, I, I'm, I'm still to be convinced he's United class. He reminds me of Ben Foster, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I think Ben mm-hmm. Foster's went on to have a really good career. He's played for his country. Um, he's played in the Premier League for numerous years. But Ben Foster at United I, I was confident, but was capable of making some real mistakes because I felt at times maybe he was yep. trying to over, be overconfident or overcompensate for maybe some deficiencies he had in his game, whereas at Watford, he's comfortable because he's the number one. He's one of the main men, and he can shine. I just, I just think there could be an element of that to Henderson. I could be wrong with that. He might be going to be the number one for the next 10 years, but I, I've yet to see a performance from Henderson that makes me think he should be the number one. I would move to here on and Pickford should be wanted for his England place. I, I, I'm not at that stage with him yet. He's got a lot to prove to me. Yeah, he's still got some, a lot to prove to me too. You know, they, they we're still talking about potential. Um, hopefully he realises that potential. But, um, you know, this is what people like... There's so much fixation on age. You see this with Arsenal. I was doing a podcast last week with a lad, and he was an Arsenal fan. He was talking about um, the project, you know, <clears throat> but talking about why they wouldn't bring in Conte because the age, age is. I'm like, I don't know if this is video game related, but we've got a lot of fans that are more concerned about the average age of their squad than winning trophies because I think they're so fixated on this development cell, replace development cell. You know, and there's something exciting about that in the video game is you can develop a young player from nothing, turn them into a fortune and sell them and repeat. But this is real life, you know? And you sit there going, well, yeah, Arsenal, when players reach maturation and they develop, they sell. Um, you know, the, the fixation on age, to me, this is where you see this Ronaldo. You know, if you take a look at just to finish up on this account, if we had a six month gap or something where Ronaldo has just been off the pace, I can understand people saying, mm, you know, we've already started to see that decline. His last game, he scored two goals. He finished, he scored what, five in the Euros? Excuse me, he scored every game he played. Don't like him. Sorry, excuse me. Um, truly, 
excuse me, uh, <laughs> remarkable. I'll be there before Ronaldo makes his debut. With <laughs> uh, Selfie's performance enhancers. Uh, but uh, Ronaldo, unbelievable. And there's been nothing in his game to suggest that decline has happened yet. Look, like, they bring it back to boxing. Bernard Hopkins, 49 years of age, still fighting a world title fight. Truly unbelievable. And you look after yourself. You can, you, you, you know, you can delay that aging process just a little bit. And I'm sure Ronaldo's telomeres has is nowhere near a 36-year-old. But uh mate, uh anything to mention before we go? Just the only thing I would mention is obviously thanks to um, everyone obviously for, for listening. It's great to be back on the yes. show and, and I'm I'm excited about the weekend's game and excited about the Champions League returning because that Ronaldo signing that crazy 24 hours really just as I say, it lit a spark. It was like a flashback in many ways. And and as I say, I'm not expecting to be the, the, the player who's running down the wing that he was 12 years ago, but I am expecting goals. I am expecting excitement. And as you say, he's given off the back of being the record all-time international goal scorer in men's football. And bring it on. I cannot wait. Even now, the fans are desperate to see this. Um, but, uh, okay, we're going to leave it there. Callum, always a pleasure to have you back. And to echo your sentiments, mate, thank you so, so much to everyone who likes, downloads, shares, retweets this show. Um apologize for a little bit about the you know some of the stuff we were saying earlier on vaccines if it bothers you. you can, it's not my intent, right? Um, this is something that we've all got skin in the game. We all care about each other, we all want everyone. I'm sure your end goal, if you disagree with me, is the collective health of everyone. We all want the same thing, we all want to take care of each other. Um, it's been it's been a really rough year and a half for so many of us. You know, it's been it, it's just been one bad news story to the next. Um you know, in just this week we we lost this young girls allowed um, singer. We lost uh, Omar from the Wire. Forgive me, for Michael McIntyre. I think his name is. And forgive me if I have his name wrong. But the point is, life is short. Life, life is fragile, and it can be over. And you know, we're sitting doing this podcast. One of the two of us may not be here next week. Who knows, right? Same with you listening to this. You know, there's, there's uh, it's important we take we take care of each other physically and mentally, folks. Um, because so many people are struggling and. Uh, I, it's really, really important. We 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 care about each other, and um, you know, our humanity and uh, is is not a zero sum game. We must love each other and, and have equality and everything else that is really fundamentally important to human beings' mental well being. Um, Calm, all the best, mate. Take it easy, and uh, I will next time I talk to you will be after. You need it and Ronaldo's debut most hopefully. So I'll take it easy. Or a pod anyway. I'll take take it take easy, care. mate. Bye bye. See you bye.